Podcast. I'm Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. We are burning the midnight oil on National Signing Day. Not really, but that's okay. Chris, <laughs> Chris, how are you doing right now? Wasn't that a fun day? That was a fun day. That was a fun day. You know, I, I jokingly uh, told somebody um, my favorite part of today. I I used to every year, um, like in college, because you know I didn't live in a place that had ESPNU. Me and one of my best friends, Kyle Price, we'd go find somebody in the dorms where they had ESPNU, let us take over their dorm for the day. We'd have all the, all the, the names written down, all the announcement times, all that stuff. And then we'd just sit there all day. And now I got to do it for part of my job. It was a, it was a fantastic day. Could not could not have enjoyed it more. What a beautiful life you're living right now. <laughs> That's right. Of course, well, I mean, there's the other side of that coin, which is that Alabama doesn't come up with number one class for the first time since 2010. Didn't case, take long for you to bring that up? Yeah, no, about 45 seconds in. Um, <laughs> Georgia, of course, has the monstrous day. Georgia ends up having a record for five-star recruits in the, in the 24-7 sports era. Uh, seven five-star recruits, just insane. Like just when, you think, just when you think Georgia can't have a better day than it did uh, for the early for, in the early signing period, uh, Wednesday was just that kind of day again for, for Georgia, ending with a number one class, of course. Uh, just unbelievable stuff from Georgia. As a Bama fan sitting there, I want to get your perspective on this. Like sitting there watching this happen, is it like somebody that's going out with your girl all of a sudden? Like, is that okay. is that what it First felt like? First off, let's not let's not get crazy here. Okay. Uh, if we, I mean, if we weren't a month removed from a national championship, it would have hurt. It would have hurt. If if Georgia would have capitalized on that second and twenty six. This would have hurt a lot. The sky, <laughs> the been, sky would be falling in the Tuscaloosa. sky would be falling. Yes. I would I would be dusting off some old red and black uh, pair of, or I guess memorabilia and, and all that kind of stuff to be on the safe side. But no, I mean it was it was cool. I mean you know Kirby is is a former Bama guy and he you know he he put together a great class. But I, you know I I sent a text to a couple of my buddies to start the day and I was like we're coming for you, you know starting the day out because there's there's articles saying can Bama finish in the top three? Can Bama finish number one? And you know it's been seven years in a row. So it's not far-fetched, but yeah, sure, they're going to finish number one. That's what they always do. And to watch the free fall was, I finally had to take advice from you, and I had to like take a, a break for myself and watch uh, Moana. On you, the you Disney watched movie. Moana today? I had, I, had, I had, there was about an hour and a half lull in between commitments for Bama, and I had the updates coming on my phone from everybody, and uh, I, I needed a break. I needed a break. I needed to get back to my happy place. That tells you all you need to know about National Signing Day for Alabama fans. You used to be the guy who sat there and watched on ESPNU all day, and instead <laughs> you were watching Moana by mid-afternoon. Just, yeah, it was a tough day. Tough day. Put the sweatpants on and just, you know, I, I called an L and L. We've we've all been there, it, and you know we say it's an L, but like it's it's still Alabama putting together a top ten class. Everybody's going to make a di- big deal about it, but it's the fact that Georgia got to number one the way that it did, and you know yeah. getting a, a commit like. Five-star cornerback Tyson Campbell commits today uh, and signs. You get guys like Tommy Bush, uh, Quay Walker, these you know four-star caliber players. And then, oh, by the way, just go out and steal Michigan's top recruit. Uh, it guy was the been... fifth guy they got. It was a fifth commit they got this year that flipped. It's amazing. I, I want to know, what is Kirby Smart like in these situations? I want to know what it's like to be a recruit and to think, Kirby Smart wants me bad. I want right. to know what that conversation's like. Can you even imagine what no. it's like to be in that room and just thinking, man, this dude... I told uh, you, when I committed, my coach didn't know who I was. So, I mean, I could not imagine what Kirby, what Kirby Smart would be like going through that. But, I mean, it has to be more exciting and electric than what Saban is going over. Like, yeah, sure, all right, cool. We'll, we'll pencil you in. I'm, I'm busy right now. I've got an oatmeal cookie, oatmeal cream pie in my hand. So, not now, Justin Ross. Justin Ross, of course, surprises everybody by not committing to Alabama, commits to Clemson. Um, very rare, extremely rare to see Alabama lose out on a recruit like that that just looks like a lock, and you're thinking, okay, this is an eight-state kid. This doesn't happen, but it, just kind of random things like that just kind of made it the day that it was for Alabama. That's, you know, I, I expected to lose for Alabama to lose Quay Walker, and then, you know, there's always those signing day surprises, and a lot of times those surprises go in Alabama's favor. So to watch... The number one player in the state. Now, keep in mind, the number one player in the state hasn't has only gone to somewhere out of the state three times since 2001. Jack, I think it was. Uh, I'm, just, you know, I'm gonna mess this up. It's not Jack Jackson. It was another kid that went to Florida, the receiver. Um, Jack Jackson was like mid 90s, but it was uh, him and then Jameis Winston. Everyone else stayed in state. You know, they, they they put a fence around that state, and mostly everyone stays home. 
place for somebody in the Iron Bowl. But it was he went to Clemson of all places. It's it was amazing to see the development like that. I mean, there were just there were so many surprises throughout the day, and we're gonna get to more of them later. I mean, there were so right. many shenanigans and surprises. I was coming into this expecting it to be like, ah, you know, you get your ESPNU announcements, and that's yeah. you get kind of one an hour, and ESPNU is gonna maybe hype up some storylines, but we're not really gonna be entertained because we know where all these kids are gonna go. Right. And then all that was just kind of like right. thrown out of the water. It was great though. Like it was. It was, it was a good day. It was fun. It was entertaining. Not maybe. Well, I. I'm a big Moana fan, so I would say it is like kind of right up there with with Moana. <laughs> with my day, perfect. Yeah. So, no, it was, it was a good day overall. I mean, for the SEC, you know, you're still looking at a, the conference having more teams in the top 25 than any other conference. Of course, SEC Network throws out that little tweet, and people right. give it a little bit of shade. You know, even though Alabama's not number one, but um, it was still extremely entertaining. And you're seeing Georgia and Alabama sort of dominate the headlines. Everybody wants to talk about maybe the the balance and power, but to me, the most interesting thing that happened throughout the day was all the shenanigans that we got. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to have enough time to get through all these moments, but I want to start with the one that, like, broke the internet. And, <laughs> and that was that was Jacob Copeland, the four-star receiver who, who commits to Florida. He's got his mom sitting there wearing the, what was it, like the, the Alabama sweatshirt and the Tennessee so, hat. everything I was hearing was... This is the surprise commit of the day. Like, this kid is is coming to Bama. He was a one-time Florida commit in the fall, like, before McIlwain left. So, you know, I'm I, like everything I heard from, like, the Bama, you know, Bama people was he was going to be a surprise pickup for Bama. And you hear it's him. It's Bama, Florida, Tennessee. So they come from commercial at ESPNU. There's two people decked out. It's his dad and, like, his, his cousin or little brother, and they're decked out in Tennessee stuff. And I was like, well, I guess he's going to Tennessee. Then everyone that enters the fray was wearing Bama stuff, Tennessee stuff. No one's wearing Florida stuff. Nobody. His mom's wearing a Tennessee hat and a Bama and a Bama shirt, which is not okay. She's like just, just not, not Florida. She's like anybody no. but Florida. Right. And, and but like, and you do not, you do not. I mean, it's it's weird for like one one thing to wear like Nike and Adidas together. You do not mix those brands. Right. Bama and Tennessee. Nobody likes that orange in Alabama. Um, but then then he announces to Florida. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> His mom just gets a, like we've seen disappointed, sad, sad moms being sad. Landon Collins, ahem, but I've never seen one get up and walk off the walk off the stage in front I, of the camera on live television. Just walks right in front of the camera, walks off the screen, and the poor kid. I feel I felt so bad for Jacob Copeland in that moment, watching him go through that. My first initial reaction was to laugh because it's like, I mean, how could this, you not? How, how can you not? Like, National Signing Day never disappoints. But then, you know, you feel for this kid who just made this mammoth decision and nobody is there to to, to support him and no. to, to give him that love. Like, <laughs> did you, come did you on. see what he tweeted last night? Uh, so, I mean, he's been wrestling with this decision and he hasn't been sleeping. He's been crying. Like, crying. I wonder why. I, yeah, I wonder because apparently his mama didn't want him to go to Florida. Jeez. Usually, usually, you know, they always joke around like there's a few, few surprises the day of because – your parents want you to stay close to home. Opposite case here. Opposite. She just could not have wanted him to be around the swamp like any less. So then he announces, and I'm assuming his dad and then his stepmom are in the back, and, and they're they're both crying tears of joy. And the mom, I, I mean, I thought it was gonna be an Alex Collins situation where she grabbed, you know, this the the paper for him to sign and just took off with it because she grabbed her purse. She did. She was she, leaving. But, <laughs> she but was she, done. Uh, to her to her credit, she came back, gave him a big, <laughs> big hug at the end of it, and it was kind of a little bit of a feel-good moment. I give uh, Matt Schick a lot, credit, a lot of credit for handling the situation the way that he did on air. Extremely awkward. Like, I don't think people realize how tough that is as an anchor to transition. We're not no. going to get into the journalism conversation that goes No, like it, that. Was, it was one of the most uncomfortable, like, it was one of the most uncomfortable announcements I've ever watched and awkward because he couldn't hear anything at first he kept kind of like stumbling over when he's supposed to start talking so that, that's like 30 seconds of like kind of dead air his his principal or coach is right next to him at the podium no one in the entire assembly hall is like knows he's supposed to be announcing so everyone's talking everyone's talking in the background he's like if I can get your attention and that's like during his announcement the whole thing could not have been <laughs> set up worse and uh, yeah, and maybe that's what mom was mad about that nobody was, everyone was talking during her baby's big moment. Maybe I don't know, but it was it was bizarre. And of course, Tennessee ends up being uh, sort of you know the, the kind of the butt of the joke and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> and and that was just sort of the theme for Tennessee throughout the day with some of these big time announcements. You know, that was that was after 
Quay Walker, the you know the four star four star linebacker, ends up committing to to Georgia and surprising everybody because what did he do? He puts on a Tennessee hat and then oh, chucks man. it off. Like that dude is not going to be angrily. He is going to have a tough time making some friends in in, in Knox. I mean, he's going to be public enemy number one every single time he comes to Knoxville. Throughout I his think career, he'll be like, fine with it with this with the team Georgia put together. I think he'll be fine going into Knoxville. They, I mean, think about how they were last year. It wasn't like they were a bad team. But the amount of talent they're bringing in, and they beat him what forty-one nothing in Knoxville. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's he's going to be fine there. I mean, they're going to find a spot for him. Who would want to play for Kirby Smart's defense? But the right. way that it all went down, I just thought was, I mean, it just kind of summed up Tennessee and just the fact that Tennessee is like still part of the storyline, but. You're no, they're not. At t- <laughs> but, but they're kind of not at the same time. They should have never – things went south for Tennessee, and I'm not going to blame it on Butch Jones. The moment somebody brought up that trash can on the sideline, everything has gone downhill. It's that, Yeah. It's it has been, been a, a – I don't want to say scarlet letter, but it has just been a giant orange letter and just a – oh, it is not a good look. It is not a good look, and everything has gone way downhill since. It was brutal. I mean, so I tweeted this out earlier today, like – uh, Tennessee, Tennessee was in the running for three kids who did the following things. You had Jacob Copeland with the, <laughs> with the mom who walked off, and then you have Quay Walker with throwing the Tennessee hat. And then, oh, by the way, you you know you have a kid who decides, yeah, my dad's Warren G. Whatever, like right. Elijah, Elijah Griffin, no big deal. I'm gonna have Snoop Dogg there as well. But by the way, I'm gonna pick USC over Tennessee. Yeah, of that's course. that's that's pretty rough. I mean, like you can only you can only take so much pain if you're a Tennessee fan because everybody's making a big deal about these announcements. They go viral, and you're sitting there as a Tennessee fan like, what do we got to do, man? <laughs> maybe this is our big moment. Maybe maybe things are going to change for us. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, oh, can you imagine if Snoop Dogg puts on a Tennessee hat and, you know, spurns, uh, spurns USC, like his team, like how great that would be. But no, it's just uh, it, Tennessee. It Tennessee is like when you go when you go to like PetSmart on a Saturday because it's free adoptions, and there's just like a litter full of beautiful golden retriever little puppies, and there, there's just this one mutt in the background. It's just all decked out in orange, named Smokey, and he's like, "Oh, maybe today's my day." And, and everyone's like, "No, nope, you're not getting in the forerunner. You're staying here." Sorry, bud. Oh, poor Tennessee. Poor Tennessee. And I give Jeremy Pruitt. I, I give Jeremy Pruitt some credit for. For the job that he did putting the class together, I've said it before. New coaches with the early signing period, it's absolutely brutal. But yeah, you're you're playing second if you're trying to go up against a USC or against a Georgia. You know, we see uh, Georgia just roll in these recruits left and right, and even you know Georgia had a little bit of a viral moment of its own today with Tommy Bush, where the, you know the four-star <laughs> recruit he's holding on to he's holding on to his niece, and his niece cries as he's picking Georgia. Cries <laughs> doesn't even do it justice. I mean, just went into a, just a shriek was was very upset she might have been she might have been angrier than the mom I than Copeland's mom yeah I, I i mean why though like somebody needs to rock that that little girl to why to was sleep. the baby up there i don't know why why was a chucky doll at andrew chatfield's commitment i would take the chucky doll over over the baby because the, the baby presents more problems like the crying. The Chucky doll is creepy. Don't get me wrong. If anybody, first off, where do you get a Chucky doll? Like, what what stage of, of a, he's not an adult, but like, you're a 16-year-old almost man, and when are you going to buy a Chucky doll? It's a family heirloom, probably. <laughs> There's no way somebody buys that at a store. No Yeah, it's way. like a quilt. It's like a quilt or something like that, or a casserole recipe. It's just, it's a Chucky doll. Well, I think that's what Florida does now. Like, Dominic Easley did it. Dante Fowler did it. Oh, that's right. And, and they just pass it down to, to recruits now? Like, why is why is that a thing? I don't know. They should win stuff before they start doing stuff like that. they got to find, like, new traditions. <sighs> See, now, if Tennessee had hired Gruden, right. then with the Chucky doll, and it all makes sense. I saw that when I had first woken up. I had not had my coffee yet, and I was like, what, is gro- like gro- groomers? Are we back to groomers? <laughs> Let this happen. And I think part of it was just, like, me just not, like, just completely in denial of, like, oh, God. God, this is the last thing we're going to be able to talk about football-wise until the off season. It's really about to be the off season. 
Yeah, then you just flipped on some Moana and had yourself a good day. <laughs> All right, I should have never told you about Moana. No, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. But there was, this this day was so great, though, for somebody who, you know, spent an hour and a half watching a Disney movie, and a great Disney movie at that, but... You, you know, recommended it. This is partially your fault. I did. Let the record show that I recommended Moana, and I said, flip that on. It is, it's a great flick. It's a great flick. It was a good ki- flick. I don't have kids or anything, but I'm not ashamed that I'm a grown man who can sit there and watch Moana and say, you know what, this is a great movie. Well, when you texted me that, you were like, Moana's a great movie. Yes. And I, I was it. like, I forgot Connor and his wife had kids. No. And then I was like, wait, I made that up. They, they no. don't have kids. No kids. Just just big kids at heart. That's what we all are. It's fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. This, this, we should get this, Chucky dolls, man. Uh, well, I don't, have, I don't have it in my family, so how am I going to get one? We got to know a guy. We got to know a guy. You got to know a guy. I got a great Chucky doll guy, dude. Oh, that's so terrifying. And then, so, you know, there's all these great viral moments today and, and kind of lost in the shuffle of all that was, you know, Eddie Smith, the, the guy who had Nick Saban dance in his house. And, oh. Three-star. Three-star recruit. Nick Saban is dancing for three-star recruits. Maybe that's just, that should have been our sign that things were going to be a little bit different for Alabama yeah. this recruiting class. Just saying. But it just You're goes to show, right. if Nick Saban dances in your living room, how are you going to say no to him? I, I don't think you can. Unless you're going to Georgia. I mean, but even then, I mean, he danced. That's true. That's true. It would have been great if they would have gone back and found out he wasn't dancing to the Cupid Shuffle and he was dancing to Rocky Top, like just to throw it in Tennessee's face even more. That would have been awesome. I don't, Nick Saban doesn't go to that kind of level of trolling, but. No, that's why we need Kiffin back in Tuscaloosa. That's true. That's true. We miss Lane so much. So we get all these viral moments today, and then, you know, of course, and this this is something that we're going to talk about so much throughout the season because it is going to be oh, the gift man. that keeps on giving Whew. Herm Edwards. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take, take a step away from the SEC, but I think all football fans and all human beings in general can really <laughs> appreciate how great Herm Edwards as a college football coach is. I mean, the quote that he had today, he said this on live television. Like real TV, which I'm not sure if he knows how to turn on TV yet. He'll figure it out. He said, signing day is a little bit unusual for me because in pro football, you get to draft them. In college, they get to pick you. And he that he said it like, huh, this is so cool. This is different and unique and not what I'm used to. It came off like, oh, blank. I forgot to call any of these recruits I was supposed to call. Like, like oh, no. That's today? That's today? Like, have you ever woken up and you're like, oh, my God, I have a midterm today. I have a midterm. No. Like, it, like I totally forgot to study. I, I got 30 minutes. Like, you know, he, he was calling, like, people at a car wash. Like, do you, you know anyone that's also trying to raise money from your high school that would like to play football at Arizona State? I, like, I would really appreciate the help. To his credit, though, he ended up with, I think he ended up with, like, a top 40 class or something like that. I mean, he was at, like, 57 in the beginning of the day when he said that. So, of course, everybody points that out and is like, oh, no wonder why this guy He signed, like, that. eight kickers. He's just like, Saban's going to poach all of them. Hey, but they're four-star kickers and five-star right. kickers. So, I mean, that's why he kept rising so much in the recruiting rankings. He, like, he and him being in college football, because he was fun to watch on NFL Live and all that kind of stuff. And he was and he's a knowledgeable guy. He was an NFL coach. Like I think he's like finally gone past like he had finally gotten past the whole like you play to win the game. Like in and all those like quotes that he had that, that kind of like poke fun at him. And then you hit it on the head today when we were texting back and forth about it. Like I, I said he goes together like peanut butter and concrete. Yes. And you said watching him, watching him be a college football coach is like teaching an old person try to try to learn how to use a smartphone. And that could not have been a better example. I, I feel bad because there are moments where I'm like, oh, Herm, you know, you had to know this was coming. He, he means well, and he's been around. Okay, so there's a little bit of a miss of a misconception about Herm Edwards and that's that he doesn't understand young people at all. He's right. at he's at the Under Armour All-America game every single year. He works with a lot of these recruits. So he does actually have a bit of a recruiting foundation with that and he's not just like a total random guy that's going to show up in your living room and be like, "I'm that guy that yells at you while I'm on TV." So right. like he has that but this is still just all so new for him, and I love that he is finding out all of these new things, and we get to enjoy this ride with him. I'm on board y'all know, for it. Y'all know they play, they play these games on Saturday, man. I had no idea you got out here. I'm out here thinking it's walkthroughs, and we got the dang marching band out here. We're to trying to play football right now. Yeah, Herm, it's every Saturday, man. Sometimes on Friday, sometimes on Thursday. <laughs> Hell, in, in the Midwest, they do it on Tuesdays. 
My mind's blown, man. My mind is blown right now. Oh my gosh. Nobody tell Herm Edwards that the Pac-12 nobody, has games on Friday. Nobody. 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 Let's keep this 100% quiet. He's going <laughs> to... Sh- He's gonna show up on on Saturday, and be like, "How'd it go?" He's just like, like in a robe, like a bathrobe, like looking for the paper, and they're like, well, "You get, we got a game." Oh, it's it's, it's like it's that moment when like the when Peter McAllister realizes that they left Kevin at home again for the second Christmas in a yes. row. We did it again. We did it again. <laughs> oh, geez. so so great. We're gonna keep talking about Herm Edwards eventually uh, as the season progresses, but. We've, we've got to get to our interview with Corey Long. We've got a, a recruiting insider, Corey Long, that is. Uh, we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. He had yeah. some very good comps. Um, if you're an LSU fan, though, beware because... Might want to fast forward. Might, I, maybe not fast forward, but like just listen and, and just don't worry about all the things that he had to say that were bad about LSU. But great insight from Corey Long. So uh, here's that interview from SDS's Corey Long. We're excited to welcome on SDS recruiting insider Corey Long. Corey, did you have as much fun as we did today? Uh, yeah, it was a fun day. You know, it was a lot of stuff happening. I had a lot of flips. Had a mom walk out on <laughs> on a young man's <laughs> announcement. Don't see that one too often anymore. And, uh, you know, a lot of things happened. It was a really crazy, big, crazy day within the conference for sure. It was a wild day, especially within the SEC. No shortage of entertaining announcements. But what was the most surprising story of the day for you? I was surprised that Georgia just continued to put their foot down on the gas. They had a tremendous early signing period, and they just, you know, it didn't stop for them. They went after it with the late signing period, and they, you know, they got flips, they stayed aggressive. They, they cleaned up, you know, like, you know, Kirby Smart is, you know, he wants to be the man. He wants to be the man in the conference. He wants to be the man in college football. He wants to have the classes that win championships. And that's what that's what Georgia had been missing, you know. No offense to Mark Richt, who's a, you know, tremendous coach, tremendous person. Uh, you know, the classes that he got were very good. The classes that Kirby Smart gets are the type of classes that you win championships with. Corey, kind of piggybacking off uh, off that, I know um, there's, it's hard to find a storyline outside of Georgia with, after what they did today. I, you know, I've never seen anything like that. But outside of UGA, who had a strong close today or, or one of the other stronger classes from the SEC? Uh, you know, it was it's one of those things to where a lot of guys did their work early. So if you're like me and you like South Carolina's class – after early signing day, well, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do a whole lot today to change that. There wasn't a whole lot they needed to add. You know, a lot of teams got their work done out of the way early. So you look at the programs that had to do late work, and, you you know, right away, Tennessee, kind of an up-and-down day. Florida, kind of an up-and-down day. Alabama, kind of an up-and-down day. And, you know, Texas A&M really kind of, you know, they, they kind of, the way Texas recruiting is, a lot of kids commit early in that state. So, you know, they've had to kind of jump focus to 2019 and just get what they could in this class. So right away, I you know, I figured that I look at it and I say that Alabama, Tennessee, Florida all had to be aggressive, but they also had to keep some guys in-house that were teetering. And in each case, they weren't able to do that. Tennessee loses two kids to Florida State. Alabama loses Quay Walker to to Georgia. Florida needed to sign Nicholas Petit Friere, five star player in Tampa. The types of players that Florida has traditionally gotten, they lose them to Ohio State. So that tells me that you know those programs struggled in the chance the chance they had to play some defense, keep the kids that they were supposed to keep in their classes in their classes. Uh, you know. Florida was able to keep Jacob Copeland at the end, which salvaged kind of their day, in my opinion. But you know, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was up and down for a lot of teams. You know, Corey, we were, when we were talking to you the other day, we talked about Alabama and whether or not the Tide could potentially move into maybe the top three in the national rankings. And you were kind of thinking more along the four to five range after coming into the day at number six. 
Instead, Alabama drops back to number seven. And I think it just kind of surprised people that they missed the amount of recruits that they did while Georgia was off having this incredible day. Do you, why do you think the Tide struggled so much to close on those recruits not named Patrick Sertan? You know, I, I think it's, you know, when you look at things, it's a lot of it I think has to do with you can only deal with coaching turnover so much. You're losing coordinators every single year. And, you know, as we know, recruiting isn't based on a six-month or eight-month relationship. These are two-, three-year relationships. So, you know, losing Lane Kiffin, losing Steve Sarkeesian, losing another offensive coordinator, losing Jeremy Pruitt, losing Kirby Smart, these things hurt you in the long term. You can replace the coaches on the field. You can bring in good guys that are supposedly good recruiters, but they can't. if they don't have a relationship with the prospect, they can't fabricate one in such a short period of time. So I think that's really where – you know, Alabama kind of, you know, they, they, they might have struggled a little bit. It's just the coaching turnover just bit them a little bit. You know, that being said, still a good class. But, you know, if you're, if you're used to finishing one every year, seven is very disappointing. Corey, I know um, speaking of what you said, uh, the SEC still finishes with seven teams inside the top 25, uh, 10 yeah. of the uh, 29 five-stars. So a pretty strong year all in all. Oh, but. Yeah. You know, kind of venturing outside of the conference, give me give me a team or a program that might have done the most damage uh, that could potentially do damage to um, the SEC come playoff time. Uh, you know, it's it's your usual suspects. You know, we got you know in this corner it's Ohio State, in that corner it's Clemson, in the next corner it's going to be somebody like Florida State. Now you see Tom Herman establishing himself at Texas, third-ranked class overall. Texas has been down the last few years. Now that's going to become an issue because Texas is a really well-recognized brand. They've got their own TV network. The conference is a TV network, but Texas got their own network. They're like, you know, they're like Prince Ikeem and coming to America. they got their own money, you know? <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, let's 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 look. If Tom Herman can turn this success onto the field, and there's no reason to think that he won't, Texas is going to be there every year. USC salvages a heck of a class. You know, Penn State's there now. You know, as coaches, as good coaches start spreading themselves around the nation, it can, you know the, the challenges come from all kinds of directions. You look at this list: Oklahoma nine, Lincoln Riley's a young guy. You know, makes the playoffs in his first year. Great offensive mind. He's going to get kids to go there. Miami number eight. You know, Miami's always, you know, that, that's the, that's the, they're stuck in the richest recruiting area in the nation, in my opinion. So they're always going to be around there. And then you look at other situations, you know, Florida State was, they finished 11th, I guess. That's probably going to be Willie Taggart's worst class. And he had right. all of 45 days to put it together. So, yeah. So you want to know. Well, it's everywhere. It's 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 these same powers that, that that have been there for all the time, and they're, you know, everybody's jumping in now. Everybody's jumping in. The game has gotten that much harder. Corey, what I like to do sometimes, because I see all of this positive attention to recruits, and this guy's the next Cam Newton, <laughs> and this guy's the next Sony Michelle, oh. and all this stuff. Let's let's knock let's knock these kids back a peg here, okay? And we're not, you know, saying that this is going to happen necessarily, but I want to get your take, and I, maybe this is putting you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, that's that's what we do here. But I know you're good at thinking on your feet. Give me a five star signee, and not necessarily doesn't have to be one who signed today, but a five star kid that you could see being the biggest bust in this class. Ooh, biggest the biggest bust, man. That's a that's I don't like the. Put that on, kids. But, however, sometimes you have, to, you have to do the hard work. So let me look at this. Let me look at these 29 five-stars. Who's somebody Statistically, that... it's got to be a Georgia player. Yeah, because they signed, what, 13 <laughs> of them? Yeah, My right. God. Seriously. You know, I, I look at this group, and there's a... I'll tell you, a young man that I... I don't think... I'm not going to say bust, but I think might have a disappointing career is uh, LSU's five-star, Terrace Marshall. You know why? Because LSU has had a quarterback in like a half a century. Who's going to throw him the ball? 
Like they sign these receivers, they sign Odell Beckham, the way these all pro receivers, and they got Edward Scissors hands throwing them the football. <laughs> Strong so that's, you today. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like, come on, I, I like so. I, I want Terrace to do well. He certainly has the ability to do well, but are they going to get the guy a quarterback? That's a solid and question. LSU didn't sign a quarterback today. Yeah, I mean, that's a, they yep. signed lots of quarterbacks. None of them can play quarterback, though. We're using that term very loosely. Yeah. As I always say, <laughs> LSU, quarterbacks should be quotation marks. <laughs> it's more like just guy taking snap, handing it off to top flight running back. <laughs> Corey, you're not going to Baton Rouge anytime soon, are you? No, right. I, I gotta go there. I don't go anywhere past New Orleans. Right. Uh, kind of piggybacking off that with the uh, the biggest bust, and, and you know, I, I jokingly said it has to have been somebody from Georgia because they signed seven five stars, which is like unprecedented yeah. out of the twenty nine. Um, we're gonna go a different area or a different way here, which I have a bad feeling is gonna have to come from my Alabama Crimson Tide here. Tell me the biggest myth of the day. Oh yeah, well you you gotta look at uh let me get I kind of think I got all my notes here and they're all packed up, but you know the i the idea of you know losing Justin Ross top yeah. you know your, your top player in Alabama you lose him to Clemson no less you know that that was had his fun of kind of cherry picking little SEC spots and getting in but. You didn't think that he would, you know, that, that he would that he would step on <laughs> that he would step on Nick Saban's toes like that. He did, and he did. He walked right in, took the best player in the state, and it is really, and that thought had to be shocking. That that to me might have been the most shocking move of the day because, you know, like you say, you know, this you can look in every class and you can look and pinpoint certain certain players and say, oh, that player's going to go. That play. You know, when I first met Julio Jones, oh, we knew that guy. I don't care what he announced his signing. We all knew he was going to Alabama. We knew that. Justin Ross, you feel like, was that same kind of player. Alabama needs a wide receiver. They need wide receivers. They got a pretty good quarterback. Need some receivers. You would think he'd be there. So, for him to go to Clemson, that's, 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 that, to me, is the biggest loss of the day, really. Yeah, I saw that was the only only yeah. the third time in 15 years they had lost the top state or the top player in the state to to yeah. someone that wasn't Alabama or Auburn. So yeah, and uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's, and a lot of a lot of the attention. No, sorry, go no, ahead, Corey. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, me, you, you, me, me, you. Um, <laughs> a lot of the attention, though. So we talk about Alabama, we talk about Georgia, and. You know, guys like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, we think that they're going to be there for a long time. But, you know, I was really interested in following the new coaches with this new early signing period and see the way, seeing the way that these guys put classes together. And a lot of them put together top 20 classes. We already talked earlier about Willie Taggart and the job that he did at Florida State. But, you know, Jimbo Fisher and Dan Mullen and Jeremy Pruitt and all these guys still managed to put together solid classes should they be getting more love nationally for what they've been able to do in the last 43 days? Yes and no. I think, you know, when I look at it, I say, you know, I think Jimbo walked into a really tough situation. Like I said, a lot of Texas kids commit early. Obviously, Texas is starting to reestablish themselves as a recruiting power. So, you know, anything that he was able to get today, I felt like was a good thing. And, you know, you, you, you go back, they end up getting Tank Jenkins, just, you know, a big a big offensive lineman out of Alabama. They end up getting uh, the quarterback that they, you know, that they wanted, um, James Foster, out of Montgomery, Alabama. That was a that was a late pickup. And, you know, you know how good Jimbo is with quarterbacks. So, you know, clearly for him to be able to get a really good arm in this class was a good thing. But, yeah, you know, he, you know the, Jimbo Fisher knows how to recruit. So he's going to get the job done. And, you know, I feel, like I said, with, with Jeremy Pruitt, and, 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 you know, I've explained offensive defense and recruiting. I think he was in a good spot in the sense that that class got, was so broken apart by the time he got there. He didn't have to really worry about playing too much defense. He lost some kids. Some kids flipped on signing day. But for the most part, he was able to just put his, put his head down and go forward and just be aggressive aggressive, aggressive, and, and do whatever he had to do to get pen to paper. And 
you know, and for those of us that are familiar with Jeremy Pruitt, that's kind of the way he likes to do things. And I thought he did a good job. He had to hit the JUCOs pretty hard, and he did hit them hard. But you know what? That, that's what happens. When you have to flip a roster pretty quickly, that's what happens sometimes. So I thought he did a good job. Dan Mullen was in a bit of a different place because I thought that the staff that was left behind, many of whom were not there, guys like Randy Shannon, guys like Jawan Cedar, they did a really good job of trying to continue to recruit when the job was up in the air, McElwain was going through his thing, they weren't sure where they were going to go. And they did a really good job of keeping in touch with kids, keeping kids interested in the Florida brand. So when he came in, there were some good situations there for him. Now, he did some good things. Getting Emory Jones on a, on early signing day was crucial because they don't have a quarterback. I mean, unless unless you're really trying to repair Felipe Frank, they don't really have an arm on the roster. So he comes in with a great chance to play. And they had to, you know, they were able to keep a Richard Gouriard, get a Jacob Copeland. But, you know, Nicholas Petit Freire, when I say this, and I live right in St. Petersburg, Florida, that there are certain players that, like I said, you look at you know where they're going to go. Nicholas Petit Freire goes to Florida nine times out of ten. So that's a loss. That's a bad loss because that's a young man that can play next year. That's a young man that can play, you know, this upcoming season. And for you to lose him to Ohio State, where you know he's you know he's going to develop into something good. Urban, you know, they they don't miss out on too many guys up there. That's tough because this, you know, the program needs they needed to overhaul their offense. And what would be nicer than for you to get the arm that you get an early signing? Then you get this wide receiver that, you know, and Copeland, that's a great playmaker. You add Justin Watkins, another good wide receiver, that's a great playmaker. And then to have this centerpiece on your offensive line, and in essence, would have been the centerpiece in the class. So they missed out on that. And that's a tough one. That's a, that's a tough one. They're gonna, that's a tough one to swallow for, for that staff, I know, because they really wanted that player. Speaking to that, um, my, my next question, the last question for me, uh, what, who's who will make the biggest impact at an SEC school this upcoming year? I know the Zamir White kid from from North Carolina that UGA got as a five star running back. I know he tore his ACL, but um, that would be my best guess, considering they lose Michelle and Chubb. Who who makes the best and biggest impact next year? Uh, I think Patrick Sertain. I think he's a, like that answer. I think he's a, He's a three-and-done. He's a day-one starter, in my opinion. I think he's the best defensive back to come out of Florida since Patrick Peterson. Wow. Ooh. Dang. That's All right. Boy, Dropping the mic. Out there, man. Dropping the mic right there. I'm done. <laughs> Hang like it up that. phone I right mean, now. I didn't set him up. I'm out. I didn't set him up on that. <laughs> Dang. Well, we'll let you get off with this one more question here, and I, I got to ask it. And we've probably circled around it a little bit, but – Give me your your big SEC winner and your big SEC SEC loser of National Signing Day Part Two. Of uh, National Signing Day Part Two, and you know, I, the biggest winner is obviously Georgia. It might be the biggest winner ever. I think they hit the Powerball today. Like that twenty year old, twenty miles down from me, they hit the Powerball for two hundred eighty million. <laughs> He's twenty years old at two hundred eighty million dollars. Ah, biggest loser I'm gonna say is LSU. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. The biggest loser is LSU because that's where Patrick Sertain, they, they thought they had Pat Sertain. If you look, they, they had James Foster for a while. They don't get any of those kids. you got a lot of questions there right now. I mean, the defensive coordinator is making as much as the coach. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offense that I, I can recognize. I don't know what's going on at LSU. I, I don't want the guys to think I'm picking on them. You know, I, I love it. You know, I've been to Baton Rouge before. I love it. They're the people are great. Some of my best friends are LSU graduates, but they're telling me the same thing. What's happening? You know, you know. Right now, they're wondering why Jimbo Fisher did why they didn't offer Jimbo Fisher seventy five million dollars guaranteed. It's <laughs> a fair point, and I think yeah. I mean, you're you might not be welcome back in Baton Rouge with those takes, but I don't think many people would really disagree with you for saying that. Yeah. And, and, Ed Orgeron is actually one of the coaches that I, I, you know, when I worked at ESPN, that was a coach I saw on the circuit a lot. And I consider him, you know, really a guy that I'm really friendly with and that's someone I'm rooting for. And I'm a little surprised that 
they've just been as underwhelming as they've been. I'm just surprised. And I thought they lost out on some kids today that were that were leaning towards them that they could not bring home. Yeah, it's it's a completely fair assessment. And Corey, we, we we really appreciate your time. We we hope that you are not making a trip back to Baton Rouge anytime <laughs> soon. But we uh, we we wish you well. And uh, yeah, thank you for your insight. Follow him on Twitter at Corey Long. Always good stuff. Appreciate it, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, guys. You guys take care. Great talking to you. Let's take a brief break from all this signing day talk and chat about something else real quick. Chris, I'm not sure if you heard, but the SEC is the best basketball conference in America. Well, that's what Tennessee coach Rick Barnes said. That's, uh, that counts. Yeah, no, I, I mean, his word is that's, that's all we need. Right. So, I mean, you're going to want to go and see the best basketball conference in America, right? I would assume. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. Well, to do that, you're going to need some tickets. So, where, where you know you, a guy? I, I think I do. Where, where are you going to go for those tickets? Not the Chucky doll guy. No, you're going to look no further than Ticket City. Ticket City is the quickest and easiest place to go for your tickets. They have the cheapest tickets, and all of their tickets come with a 100% Ticket City guarantee. All of our listeners can get $20 off their SEC basketball orders today. That's one less Andrew Jackson that you have to fork over. Yes, one less Andrew Jackson. That's $20. All you need to do is go to TicketCity.com, find the best tickets for your game, and enter the discount code SDS20 while checking out. That's SDS20. So go to TicketCity.com and save on all of your SEC tickets today. Chris, we're talking about a game here. This is National Signing Day. Let's bring it back to football. We've got it... We've got to play a little bit of a game here. We've got to have some fun. Um, a lot of National Signing Day stuff is just so seriously. So you've got a game for us. So I do have a game. And, and this is kind of piggybacking off something I told you last night. It uh, doesn't okay. have to be in confidence. We can, we can, tell, we can tell everyone. I actually had a, uh, an interview last night um, with a game show. <laughs> sick brag. Really sick, sick brag. brag. No yeah. big deal. Called Paid Off. It's a game show where you can, uh, they can pay off my student loan. So... Everyone, fingers crossed, this happens. This would be great. Keeping with that theme, it got me thinking, we should do a little game show quiz trivia of our own. We'll keep it recruiting themed. Okay. I'm going to tell you some former recruits. And I want you to tell me, and then also I'm going to describe some former recruits. I want you to tell me either the recruit I'm describing or I want you to tell me the former rating of said recruit. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. I'm not very confident. I mean, keep in mind, I lived in a Big Ten bubble for a little bit. So this yeah, is, this I is wish you would stop me. saying that because we're trying to break you out of that bubble. Nobody, I mean, you're doing so great. You're doing so great out of there. I'm doing my best, but okay. Right, let's get so we're going to start out easy. We're going to start out easy. Um, let's see here. Our first, our first uh, contestant here, Alvin Kamara. Was he a three star, a four star, or a five star? He was a four star because Bama doesn't recruit three star running backs. Very good point. He was actually a four star. He was one of four four star, one of four top one hundred players, all at the running back position. Bama got that year. He was the number sixty sixth overall best player in the country according to twenty four seven Sports. Also the rookie of the year. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Well, um, hey, he had to share. He had to share, share carries at Tennessee, and I don't know if you heard what he said about that, but let's just say he did not agree with it. No, but we got we got to stop hating on Tennessee so much. They've had I a know. tough day. Yeah, They've had true. a tough day. Um, okay, so moving on past Tennessee, we're just going to hit some of the some some famous SEC players here. Terrence Cody, Mount Cody. Actually, this is still hating on Tennessee because he's the one that blocked two field goals against them in 2009. But you know. Still moving forward. Mount Cody, can you take a guess at what he was? Two-star recruit. Close. He was a three-star. I don't I, I really thought you would have gone over. No, I, I, was going, I, I felt like you were going to go in the opposite direction, so I knew, I, I, I knew to go way under. You're taking this game way too logically. I know. You're Sorry taking the fun that. out of it, Connor. So he was a 6'5", 395-pound. Oh, my goodness. Three-star recruit from JUCO. Yeah. And there's no way he was under 400 pounds, by the way. Just no, they just put no that way. to make him look a little bit lighter. Um, keeping with this theme, Cade Foster, former Alabama field goal kicker. You'll remember he's the field goal kicker from Bama that missed all the field goals. Yep. <laughs> oh, that doesn't that doesn't narrow it down. No, that doesn't. That no, doesn't. not at all. He's the one that missed all the ones against LSU in 2011. He was there, I believe, from 2010 to 2012. Okay, so kickers are never more than three star recruits. 
But, but he was a four-star recruit. He was a three-star, but also a three-star linebacker. Oh. With offers from Stanford wow. and Oregon State from South Lake Carroll. So in your perfect world, he would have played linebacker. Yeah, Oregon he would have State. played linebacker in Palo Alto and not ruined my life. That, yeah, it would have been great. Um, okay, I got, I got another one for you. We're going to have some fun here. Aaron Hernandez. Oh, too soon. <laughs> uh, okay, so I feel, I feel pretty good about this. From I, Connecticut. I, he's from Storrs, Connecticut, isn't he? I, I have I no idea. He's, <laughs> he's, I think he's from like Bristol or Stores or somewhere up there. There's only one city in Connecticut, and it's where ESPN is, and I'm pretty sure it's also where UConn. They're on the same campus. That's right. That's right. Okay. I'm going to go. I think he was a five star recruit. Close. He was a four star. He was the number one tight end in the country. Four star recruit, one star murderer. I will say that. Oh. Pretty bad. That, that was too soon. That, that was, was too, way soon. too soon. Okay. Too soon. Sorry, Florida fans. Speaking of Florida fans, Cam Newton. He was a five-star at a high school. But? Remember, he was an athlete and dual-threat quarterback. Mark Richt didn't want to recruit him as a quarterback. He wanted him as a tight end. But when he went to Auburn, what was he? Could be a trick question here. So what was he as a JUCO recruit, essentially? I'm going to say he was a four-star recruit. He was, but he was the number three overall JUCO recruit in the country, which kind of blew my mind. I was like, how how do they miss that? Who were the better JUCO recruits than Cam Bruce Irvin was number one. Oh. Went to West Virginia and then became a defensive end for the Seahawks. It was, it was a huge, huge draft pick. I know, but better than Cam? No, there's no way he was better than Cam. Cam was the best, one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ever okay. repeat that that I said that. No, you said it. I, we got it on record. <laughs> we definitely have okay. it on record. We're going to keep rubbing salt in the wound here. Chris Davis. Mr. Kick Six. Yep. Mr. Kick Six. I mean... I'm going to say three-star recruit. He was a three-star. He was number 94 ranked cornerback in the cornerback in the country. That's why he's playing special teams. Yeah. And then we're going to finish up with one more before we get into uh, the players of the year. We're going to oh, go my. 90s on you here. That's going to that's David going to Pollock. Oh, David Pollock. The man with the bad hair, David Pollock. Thank you. My girlfriend says that all the time. I mean, he's just got to like, he's got to figure it out. If, he, if you're gonna, every if, day he's on camera, he looks like he just like licked his palms and rubbed his hair forward for a second grade like yearbook picture. I like David Pollock. I think he, he does a good job with, with what he does. I don't always agree with him necessarily, but like he's got to come at, at us with a new style next year. I think that yeah. should be his big offseason goal. Um, <laughs> David Pollock, I mean, I'm going to say he was, see, but he's, he's old and they didn't give... First off, he's not that old. We were in high school at the same time no, 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 together, no. so don't the, say that. Old for the recruiting rankings era. And they, yeah. they handed out a lot of five-star. But he kind of has a little bit more of the high motor the high motor guy. I'm throwing all the stereotypes you're, out yeah, there. Yeah, you're throwing all the white stereotypes out there. J.J. Watt, high motor. Um, <laughs> he's a West Walker in the slot. He's a, I'm going to say he was a three-star recruit. I'm going to blow your mind here. Now, see, I thought he went to Shiloh High School, which is in Lilburn, Georgia, the same hometown I'm from. Uh, he, uh, we, he went to like a school in my region. Okay. Okay. No star recruit. What? I thought, see, I thought I remember him being, he went on a visit to Bama. I'm almost confident. And he was like, I thought he was a two star fullback recruit between Georgia and Bama. I'm looking at rivals today. He's a no star. And in that class, they did have five stars. Wow. He was a no star recruit from Snellville, Georgia. Shiloh high school became a three time all American. I bet he was second all time in sacks in the SEC. I bet he wouldn't be that today, though. The recruiting, the, the, the whole dynamic of it he, has changed so much. He would not be a no-star. He would be a three-star white defensive end. He'd probably end up at, at Iowa or Ohio State. And then have, like, a 15-year career. Right. Well, he, I mean, he got injured, so, you know. He, he had can't. a tough stretch for that one. Okay, stretch. and this is going to be one more here for you. I think so, I did pretty well. I think I'm doing pretty well so far. You are. You're killing it. So, one thing um, that I brought this up last night on the STS Happy Hour. By the way, we do that every Tuesday. I should, I should mention that. Um, every Tuesday we do SCS Happy Hour uh, on Facebook Live at 7 o'clock. So I'm talking about um, one of the old recruiting annuals. So me and my dad, we used to always get from Publix or Kroger or Piggly Wiggly. We would get around nice. November, December. Yeah, big on the pig. I love big the pig, Big on the man. pig. Love it. So we would get the Forrest Davis. I don't know why I'm opening this like, like a book and showing you on FaceTime right some, now. Some bad radio, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... We would get, um, before they had, like, you know, Athlons and all that kind of stuff, the Forrest Davis recruiting annual. 
every year. And he would have top prospects from each state all around the Southeast, and it would be three stars, four stars, five stars, and he had the player of the year every year. Okay? I'm going to blow your mind here. Okay. Danny Cannell, four-star, signed with Florida State. You know some of the other highly notable quarterbacks from that class when Danny Cannell came out from 1993. Oh, man. I'm... Man, this is tough. Like... Tommy Frazier? That's Tommy a, Frazier, number yeah. one. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I mean, guy wins national titles. Uh, I'm going to say, let's just stick with the Nebraska theme and go Scott Frost. <laughs> no, that is that is way later. No, <laughs> they just okay. got Tommy Frazier. <laughs> well, Scott Frost was there right around the same time. People yeah. forget that. That's that's um, fair. I'm gonna I'm, say, I'll tell you what I know. Steve, uh, Steve Tannehill, he played that year in 92. Um, what about um, like, there's, I got one. What about like Charlie Ward? So he was before that cause he won the Heisman at Florida state in 93. I'm going to give you a hint here. Uh, Danny Werfel is in the class and Tennessee had not one, but two. Oh, Peyton. Peyton. And guess who, guess who was the starter over him before that? Todd Helton. Todd Helton. Isn't yeah. that, that's pretty nuts. So yeah. I'm going through it as well. Uh, later on, Scott Frost, he signed in 94, the number one quarterback uh, in the country that year, I'm sorry, this is 93, was Ron Paulus, went to Notre Dame, and Thad Busby with Florida State. I don't think I would have gotten those. Also, Trot Nixon. Oh, Trot Nixon. Yeah. Our, our guy C. Wright knows Trot Nixon very well. Shout I want to meet him immediately. Shout out C. Wright. He's got a good connection with Trot Nixon. He can tell you Trot Nixon stories. That's pretty impressive. Fun um, and And then last but not least, I'm going to tell you Real quick, just uh, these are some of the names from the Four Savers Player of the Year. The Player of the Year, ninety-one Eric Zier, uh, ninety-five Kevin Falk. Oh, okay, yeah, pretty spot on, right? Yeah. Um, ninety-six Tim Couch. Ever heard of him? Ever heard of him? <laughs> ninety-seven Jasper Sanks went to Georgia. Okay. And then he went south. Uh, ninety-eight Tyler Watts. Who I remember reading this. He went to Bama. He said he was as pro-ready as any quarterback he had ever seen. Oh, man. Why, <laughs> why do people come out and say this? Like, he threw why? the ball like 45 yards in the <sighs> air. Like this is, Icebox Dude. from Little Giants had a better arm than Tyler Watts. Even and then last but not least, 2000 Brock Berlin. Oh, man. Yeah, Brock so that's, Osweiler, right? That is, <laughs> you know he's 6'8", dude? You know he's 6'8"? Hey, he's tall. He's tall. He's, tall. So he's a great prospect. That's good stuff. That was really good stuff. Thank Taking you. Us I back very time. hard on the game. I love it. We're going to go from a... A, a problem that you know people had maybe 20 years ago to a problem that people are somehow still having today. The big storyline this morning: all these football, these official football accounts on Twitter were being suspended. It was totally out of nowhere. Georgia was briefly suspended. USF was briefly suspended. That was the other day. Texas was suspended, and then the big one that made headlines around our neck of the woods was Missouri. And yeah. every, everybody's like, what is going on? How is this happening on National Signing Day? Like, why, why are of they all doing days. this? And it was, it was so crazy. Like, it turns out, you know, they violated the, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which basically says you can't play copyrighted music in promotional videos. They were guilty of it. They got their Twitter account shut out, shut down temporarily. Now, Mizzou ended up getting like 33,000 followers back or something like that. But for that brief moment in time... Yeah. It, I mean, Georgia got all Georgia got like eight hundred, you know, their eight hundred thousand followers back. But like Texas is, you know, like had to work its way back. Please for a tell me bit. Texas is still like eleven hundred. Like, they, please tell me Texas football has less Twitter followers than me because I've gained no. like four since we started no. doing this. Damn I think it. no, Texas Damn got it. Texas got them back. You were close though. But like, how does how does this happen? Like, what? Why in the world would would this happen on National Signing Day of all days? Because I needed it. I needed it to happen. Make me feel better about myself. <sighs> I, I mean. <laughs> That response, ugh. <laughs> it was just so bizarre to see something like this happen in the 21st century where, you know, we could figure out every back way to, to, to get all these, you know, Twitter followers and right. stuff like that. And then, of course, last week the big New York Times story comes out about fake followers on Twitter and Twitter's yeah. trying to put it, you know, make a stand and do all this. And they decide to go after college athletic, you know, football, you know, football accounts, which is really, really bizarre. That is really weird. But I, you know what would have been awesome? I would have loved to know what songs that they they were being punished for. Because if it was something like 
it, like if it was like a, a like a really bad song, like if it was like Billy Joel, and you're like, ah, oh, yikes, yeah. not as cool as I thought it would be. Like I thought it'd be like you know a rapper or something like that. It's like no, it was it was Clay Aiken. For some oh. reason, they were playing some Clay Aiken like it's a joke, and it really backfired. Like it really backfired. What is that guy doing righteous now? Isn't he a politician? He runs a Hardee's in Wilmington, North Carolina, that makes some damn good biscuits. I have no idea. No idea what Clay Aiken's <laughs> up to nowadays, man. Oh, wow. I was, I was really surprised that you were able to just... <laughs> just, just, right, just spot on right away. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, absolutely. Is, uh, not only can I talk uh, very well-versed on, on Moana, but um, I know exactly what Clay Aiken's up to at this moment. We should reach out to him on Twitter if his account is not suspended. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, let's, let's do that. Well, we'll we'll close with this this final thought. Fortunately, you know, the people got their you know their accounts back and they're getting their followers back and all that stuff. We're gonna close with with one final thought here. Something that we didn't get to earlier. Uh, this is our favorite segment. It might mean too much. Whew. It might mean too much. And this is the the story of Patrick Sertain, Of course, turns down LSU after everybody kind of thought that LSU was going to be the the lock. He said throughout the process that LSU was going to be the favorite. And the then crystal he, ball course, prediction, 94% was it on really? 24 7 It was 94%. And it was funny because I looked it up the other day and it said, because Bama is talking about how like they thought they were going to get him. They were giving Bama 4%, but it said warmer. It said, wow. it, yeah. But LSU crystal ball, 94%. Bama's highlight of the day obviously was this. Oof. And the fact that. So if you have nothing else, if, if you have nothing else to hold on to as a Bama fan, you hold on to the one thing that Patrick Sertain said. And that he was asked why he went to Alabama instead of LSU, and he says, they win championships. Great. This, this, I have goosebumps. Mark, Mark Barron one time said, after the 2009 season, he was, a, he was a rising junior. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. And this is the only thing that's rivaled it. And he said, they said, what's the best part of playing at Bama? He goes, winning, winning. Yep. Sertain is the new Mark Barron as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's going to be a fan favorite in Alabama. Yeah. Maybe not so much at LSU. That's kind of the theme of, of today's LSU and Tennessee. I'm sorry. We, we love you guys. We're sorry. We're going we're gonna to have more good things to talk about. But Jarvis Landry, former LSU stud receiver, was not happy about, no. about that comment through a LeBron-like subtweet. Uh, the tweet said, you don't have a plate at this table no more, dot, 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 groupie. And the follow-up to that was Daddy came around yep. and stood up for him, which is, I can attest this better than anyone. You never want your dad to defend you when it comes to like a public argument. It's, just, it's a bad look all around. And he came back and he's like, you better watch your mouth. And I was like, oh, no. Because I was just waiting for Honey Badger to come out. Oh, I mean, that's, that that's People that go to LSU, that, that alumni, that is some of the most prideful, just absolutely proud alumni you'll ever meet across the country. They love that university. They love that football team. And, it, like, you know, I, I, was, I was shocked it didn't get uglier. Oh, it still might. I mean, the story is just beginning. Let's, let's make that clear. Like, there, there's going to be plenty of moments. Every single time he D's up against LSU, he's going <sighs> to hear about it. And that, that's, he's not escaping that anytime soon. But he ends up going to Alabama. And, you know, in a typical year, we don't really – you know, a five-star cornerback picks Alabama, blah, right. blah, like that's doesn't even that's not even really headline worthy. That's just that's what you expect to happen. But the way that it happened, DBU only ends yeah. up with one defensive back in this entire class. That's the lowest, I believe. Ross Dellinger had this tweet out. I think it's the lowest since 2005, which was Les Miles' first year. You're not going to be DBU if you're signing one defensive back a year. And not only that, our man Corey brings it up earlier as this is the best cornerback prospect he's seen out of the state of Florida since Patrick Peterson. And, and then to take him from, from LSU was just, it was, you almost feel bad. But, you know, we talked earlier about Quay Walker and how, it's gonna, how uncomfortable that environment is going to be when yep. he goes to Knoxville every other year, which luckily they play Tennessee in, in Athens this upcoming year. 2018, first weekend of November. Woo! Bama travels to Baton Rouge, and that is going to be oh man lit to say the least. Oh, it absolutely is. Today was today was lit in general. Can we say yep. that? Are we too old to say that? We sound I sound really old. When I, I didn't say like that. the way you said it. You got to say it with more conviction. Like I'm it's, older than you, but like I, it felt good coming off like it's like lit. roll off the tongue for me. That's better. Everybody, you got to have some swag with it. God, everyone's got to hate us right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna close. We won't have any more thoughts for you guys to. to we we already said that we watched Moana and we you know we, we try and say lit. We are like we're Moana not, we was have, definitely lit, guys. I'll tell you that oh, much. 
That's brutal. That's brutal, man. <laughs> we appreciate you guys joining us for a National Signing Day Part 2 edition of yes. the Saturday Down, Saturday Down South Podcast. We appreciate SDS recruiting insider Corey Long for joining us. Had some great, great insight. Again, sorry, LSU fans. It's going to be okay. Tennessee fans, it's going to be okay. Whatever. At least tomorrow you're not going to watch a recruit. Um, you know, throw your hat away. It's, it's going to be okay. Or do so. they keep it shuffled to Rocky Top? But uh, but yeah, thank you guys for, for tuning in. And, uh, you know, next week does start the official kind of off-season. So if there are any things, you know, topics you guys want us to bring up, definitely tweet at us. I'm not going to give out my Twitter handle today just because the Moana reference. And yeah, yeah I'm not. But just definitely get it, Connor O'Gara on Twitter yeah. and, uh, and the SDS pod. Give us a follow. And, uh, and, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, you let us know. Yep. And remember, it just means more. That's right.